Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. And uh, let's find our Bibles and go to Acts chapter number 22 and stand. If you don't have a Bible, someone near you would love to share with you. I'm certain of that. If, uh, if you don't want to do that, grab your phone and find it in your app, the Bible app. Let's all be looking at Acts chapter number 22. You can also look inside the worship guide that you should have received on the way in, and that'll be a help to you and thankful that you're all here today. We're going to dig into the studies this morning. And we're going to learn something from the Word, and it's going to be a help to us. I wanted to say as you're turning there, Brother Tom, well, this, um, the, this morning services were happening. He texted and he said this is one of the warehouses um, that is, uh, is, is filled up and uh, stacked too, uh, uh, too high all the way back. He said it's somewhere around 19 feet wide by 40 foot long. The other one's 64 foot long, and so that gives you a little bit of picture about uh, the final project, uh, those all being uh, stacked down there in Grenada. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Acts 22, are you there? Some of you, are you there? Amen. Let's jump into it. Verse 22, let's look at it. And they gave them audience, that's the whole group of, um, of Israelites, Jewish individuals gathered at the, the steps there, there in Jerusalem, uh, and they gave him audience, Paul, unto this word, and then lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried and cast off their clothes and threw dust up into the, uh, into the air, the chief captain commanded him, Paul, to be brought into the castle, into the fortress, and bade that he should be examined by, what is it, church? Scourging. Doesn't sound very exciting at all. Uh, that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. What's going on with this riot? Verse 25, And as they bound him with thongs, uh, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was freeborn. Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him, and the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him on the morrow, the next day, because he would have known the certainty whereof he, Paul, was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all the council that's a Sanhedrin to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. Father, would you guide us in the, in the study of your word this morning? 
uh, a seemingly maybe obscure passage of scripture, but Lord, you put it in there, and it is for us today, and we need what you're going to teach us today. Lord, we, we admit that what we have just read is a true account, that you, by your Holy Spirit, allowed uh, Dr. Luke to pen down for us, and we have the privilege of reading it these 2,000 years later. So we receive it as truth, and we long for you, by your Holy Spirit, to teach us what it means for us today. And we will thank you for what you'll do in our hearts, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. So here, as we are continuing in our study through the book of Acts, we are some 62 messages into the book of Acts. There's 28 chapters, and we're enjoying all the way along here. And we're in this 22nd chapter right at the end here. And we find that Paul has finished his third missionary journey, and he's found himself back in Jerusalem, particularly to celebrate Pentecost with the church there. He came with an offering, as you remember, from the different Gentile regions of the world and his missionary journey from over in Thessalonica and Athens and Corinth and, and different places. He is bringing this offering back really to say to them, listen, we're all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there isn't Jew and Gentile. There isn't different ethnicities. We are all one. We aren't, uh, there isn't a racism that is here in the church. There is a, a oneness. And he wanted to prove that to the church there at Jerusalem that was very sensitive about Jewish matters. And so he comes back and he's very encouraged as he steps into Jerusalem, although it was going to cause some problems for Pastor James there in Jerusalem because the people, uh, the Jewish believers that made up the church there at Jerusalem really were still kind of anxious about this matter of accepting the Gentiles. They really hadn't lost that prejudice that hadn't been sanctified out of them, if you will. And so there was some struggles and different matters of perspective. And so Paul, uh, by the grace of God, showed deference to Pastor James and and even uh, showed deference by uh, helping out and paying for the Nazarite vow uh, for four different uh, uh, members of that church. And, and really, at the time that he went to the temple to accomplish that, the whole city got mad because they thought that Paul had brought this guy from Ephesus, Trophimus was his name, into the temple, which no Gentile was allowed into the temple. And so we have a huge uprising, really a riot that took place, all of Jerusalem kind of swarmed the Temple Mount, and uh, they are upset and angry and begin to beat uh, the Apostle Paul. You can see the southern entrance of the, of the temple, and they swarmed the Temple Mount and, uh, out in, the, uh, out in the, the court of the Gentiles, and uh, they probably carried Paul right out the, gate, uh, the front gate there and around uh, as, as, as the uh, soldiers from the fortress in uh, Antonia uh, gathered together in about somewhere between 600 to 1,000 of them, having to rescue Paul from that situation and brings him to the steps of this fortress that you see on the right-hand side of your screen there. And that is where Paul is allowed to give his testimony, his story last week, and where we pick up the story as, as he gets to the end of his testimony declaring faith in Jesus Christ, and they all um, break out in a second riot. And so you can just sense that there's kind of a, a very hostile, uh, boiling spirit in Jerusalem. Now, it, was not, it does not seem to be the believers at Jerusalem that were a part of this. It seems most 
likely that all of Jerusalem, in the sense of the, the Jewish nation, was upset at Paul. And especially when Paul kind of um, broke the, the, uh, the straw on the camel's back, uh, which is when he said, hey, God sent me to the Gentiles. God sent me to bring the message of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to the Gentiles. They did not like that. But let's jump into this and really realize this, first of all, this morning, that there was a great rejection that was happening of Paul's testimony by the Jewish nation there. And uh, it was a testimony that God had already said to him it would be rejected. As Paul declared his testimony, uh, they gave him audience. Verse 22, they gave him audience. They listened to him. They didn't necessarily agree with him, but they gave him audience in this moment. They were silent before him until that, that word, until they mentioned, until Paul mentioned the Gentiles. And then everything that he had mentioned that they disagreed with kind of came to a swell, uh, you know, boiling point, and they were upset about this. But he, first of all, I want us just to realize and, and kind of recap, he was declaring his testimony of faith in Jesus Christ. And we learned last week that a testimony is a very powerful thing. A story, your story, is a very powerful thing. Paul did not preach a three-point message. He did declare his testimony, how he came to faith in Jesus Christ, how he came to salvation, how he went from being a persecutor of the church at Jerusalem and a persecutor of the church uh, at Damascus to being a preacher of the gospel. The same one that he was persecuting, he began to preach and declare uh, salvation was only through him. And so how did that happen? He declared in verses 8 and 10, he declared that it was by faith in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, I wonder at the fact that the whole city didn't come to an uprising at that point. It's amazing that when he declared that, that Jesus came to him as Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, I, I very much am amazed that they held their composure on through that point. But it probably indicates that Paul uh, not only was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God in his, in his speaking, in his giving of his testimony, but he was very, very passionate about this. This was a personal story. And friends, we remember that even sometimes when people may not agree with your personal story, they, may not, they might not believe what has happened to you. Still, personal stories get audience. Personal stories get audience. And we'll, and we'll see more about that in a second here. But I want us just to, to grab a hold of that. He declares his faith in Jesus Christ. He also declares that he was commanded to be baptized. In verse number 16, he followed the Lord publicly in believers' baptism. He was commanded to do that, and he called on the name of the Lord, it says there in that verse, and as an outflow of his calling on the name of the Lord, he was baptized, as the Bible talks to us about uh, Acts 2 and verse number 42, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And so it's an it's a, it's a act of obedience uh, from a person who's accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so we find that he did that. He identified, and he didn't just identify with the Lord in Damascus at that point. He continued to identify with the Lord as he obeyed the Lord and went back to Jerusalem, as he obeyed the Lord and went out of Jerusalem, and as he obeyed the Lord and went to the uttermost parts of the earth carrying the gospel. He continued day by day to identify with the Lord. In fact, what did Paul say in Philippians? That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Paul lived his life identifying with the Lord, and he declares that on that day that he would identify with the Lord, yes, in baptism, but also in obedience in following the Lord's specific calling on his life in verse number 21. But that's what stirred everything up in Jerusalem. He got all of Jerusalem again in an uproar over the fact that he believed Jesus Christ and he was following him, taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And it reminds me that there is going to be times in our life where we might not be appreciated 
uh, we might not be agreed with, but our story will be heard. And I want to just again encourage you today, have you taken time over this past week to work on your story? Are you ready to prepare uh, to share your story with somebody? Are you ready in a moment's notice when someone's talking to you at work, when you've fought someone at the gas pump, when, you've, uh, when you're with somebody and they're going through a difficult time, to say the moment when Jesus came into your life, when he met you on your road to Damascus, and when you accepted him as your personal Savior and how he changed your life. One of the ways I give out tracks is I give out the good news track and I say, hey, the message inside of this, this uh, uh, little leaflet changed my life at the age of 12 and begin to share the story. I shared my story yesterday as we knocked, uh, knocked on doors. But with sharing the story as we go along in our life, we need to be ready to share our story. First Peter 3 and verse number 15, but sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that lieth within you with meekness and fear. Be ready to share your story. If you had an opportunity to share a snippet of your story this week. Would you pray that God would give you an opportunity to share and give you an audience to share your story to this week? Say, I don't know about all that, Pastor. Listen, the hardest step is the first step. And if you're not writing down and not thinking through and, and writing down that story, listen, just take that first step by faith. Take that first step. Write down your story. Grab the My Story Planner. Go to our website. Listen to the messages. But you have a story, your personal encounter with God. Write it down. Paul was ready. They say that word-of-mouth advertising is considered the most effective form of advertising. The world knows that. How many times do you come up against a business owner that says, I don't advertise, it's just all word-of-mouth. Well, he's caught something. If he does the right thing, it's going to travel. News will travel. In fact, 62% of all small business owners uh, cited that that word of mouth or customer referrals was the way, the most effective way of growing their business. Well, friends, Jesus, Jesus knows all this. He knows humanity. And when he said in Acts 1.8, but ye shall be my witnesses, my firsthand witnesses, my firsthand ambassadors of, of, of what I've done in your life, he knew that. And so he tells us, hey, I want you to be your witness. And I just want to just say this. The other, the other yellow marker there is... 12% of business owners said that they found flyers and direct mail as, as, effective, as an effective way of, of growing their business or of advertising their business. And I just want to say this. Jesus did not say, you shall be my tract givers. He said, you shall be my witnesses. Tracts are great and we love them, but don't let tracts do the work that your mouth should. There's something very, very powerful about this is my story. This is my song, right? This is my story. Hey, he's put a new song in our mouth, even praise into our God. It's a verbal testimony. And I want to encourage you, be ready with your verbal testimony. Paul on the steps there caught the audience of all of Jerusalem that day with his verbal testimony. That's awesome. He declared that on that day. But I want you to notice the disturbance of the peace in verse number 22. And then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it's not fit that he should live. They're immediately talking about death. Like we want this guy killed. He shared his testimony. Now, how many of you have shared your salvation testimony and had someone say, I want you put to death? Any of you yet? Hasn't happened here in America. Now, there might be some people like, 
should just do away with that person. I don't agree with him at all. But we haven't faced that, friends. Now, I do know people, and, and especially in my time in India, uh, of, of pastors right now preaching the gospel that do face that, and that's a reality across the world, but we don't have that. But Paul did, and it disturbed the peace in such a great way, it was another riot. And uh, Claudius, who was the chief captain there at the, at the fortress, he likely didn't understand what just blew up at this point because Paul was speaking to them in their language in Hebrew and Aramaic. And uh, he likely didn't understand all of this and probably why he wanted more examination or interrogation of him because he wanted to find out what in the world is Paul doing? What kind of criminal activity has this guy been involved in that has caused such an uproar in the city? And so as, as this disturbance is happening, uh, I want us to realize that, that God had forewarned Paul 20 years previously, 20 plus years previously, you know, they're not going to take your testimony in Jerusalem. That's why he told him to get out of Jerusalem in the first place. And as he's come, uh, come back, it's sure obvious that what God had said about the Jewish people not taking this man's testimony was very, very real. Paul had doubly offended them with his testimony. How? By mentioning Jesus Christ and the Gentiles. And they were mad. They were incensed. And I want us to think about 1 Peter 4 and verse number 12. We live in a very free day where we are blessed with the freedom of speech. Uh, we're blessed with the opportunities of freedom, even trial, uh, the right to a trial in our own country. Uh, we're blessed in many ways, but there is a day coming, and it is a real thing even now, that there are, there's opposition and persecution to be had for standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is, which is, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, 1 Peter 4 and verse number 13, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of the Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, he may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Happy are ye. Now that's kind of a, 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 a cross-grain thought. Happy are ye. But that's what Jesus tells us to do. Be happy for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. But on, on your part, he is glorified. God is glorified through your suffering. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer, as a busybody in other man's business. Now, let's just stop for a moment. There are sometimes Christians will be opposed and persecuted because they were just being foolish. Right? Being a busybody, being arrogant, not, not showing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, being bold and brash, not speaking the truth in love. A lot of different reasons. God says you are not to suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as a busybody, as an evildoer. If so, that's on you. But he goes on to say, and I really want us to catch, it, uh, catch this, but uh, yet if a man suffer as a Christian, as a little Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on behalf. If we're suffering for declaring our story, for giving the gospel, and for for pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we suffer on that in that way, it's a sign of God's blessing on our life. It is a sign of God using us. It is something that we should rejoice in. And so Jesus said in John 15, 18, he said, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. This is a part of it. 
Philippians 1 and verse 29, it's given unto you not just to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also to suffer for his sake. I find that as our nation turns more and more away from God, uh, we are going to see more of the opposition ramping up. I heard just this week that uh, our uh, federal court in America has, has deemed that gender dysphoria, all the 72 different genders that you can select from when choosing a Facebook profile, the gender dysphoria that is going on has been classified as a disability. Now, whether that'll stand and in, in, in so forth in the, in the courts, but I want us to realize you even just saying, I believe God made male and female is going against the culture you live in right now. And when you say there's only one way to have eternal life, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You talk about being ostracized by, by a culture. This, this is real. Our culture is going headlong away from God. And we'll take some time here this morning. I want you to turn over to Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number one with me. And I'd like for you to just notice something here. Romans chapter number one. Paul says in verse 16, he's not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in verse number 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, who, who have access to the truth but hold it in unrighteousness. They, they twist it because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, Okay. Uh, and he goes on, for God has showed it unto them. Literally, God says, that which may be known of God is actually manifest, is made known in, in, their, in their heart. Go on. For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. The Bible says to us that the heavens declare the glory of God. Everything God created declares there is a maker. And so much so that God says every person is responsible to God for that very light that they've received. The light of and the general revelation of creation. And so he goes on, he says, listen, they, this is all made known to them. And he goes on, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they're like, oh yeah, there must be a God. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll just turn to my idols. I'll turn to my Buddha. I'll, I'll make something, all right? Uh, and, and so that, that very much happens. Neither were they thankful. They didn't pursue after the light, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was dark, and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of God, uh, of the incorruptible God, into the image made uh, like to the corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and uh, creeping uh, things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And what I want us just to realize here this morning is God said that in a society, there is a, there's a point. They reject God and they become foolish in their imagination. They profess themselves to be wise. They become foolish in their imagination and God turns them over and allows them to just defile themselves with one another. And you talk about America right now. Why is this relevant? We have a nation, the Jewish nation, who says, we don't want your story. We don't want your Jesus. We don't want it. And they're rejecting and throwing a fit in Jerusalem over this. 
You watch the fits that get thrown. You go into the midst of, uh, of, of different places in America and watch the fit that gets thrown when you mention the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go into some of our houses of representatives. Go into our own house of representatives not so many years ago. Here in our own city, just to mention the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor Kagan, can you stop praying in Jesus' name? Why? Why is it so offensive? And so it is amazing to me. We are, we are, we are shifting as a nation, and there was a nation there that was rejecting the Lord and was vehement against Paul vehement against Paul. But we need to realize we are living in the midst of a nation that is rejecting the Lord as well. And they will not always receive your story, but you must be ready with your story. That's why you're here. You are a witness. And Paul did well as he witnessed of the Lord Jesus Christ, even in the midst of a rejecting nation. But I want us to notice in verse 24 and following, I want us to know the resolve of this citizen Paul. His resolve, his determination. He traveled there to deliver an offering, to celebrate Pentecost with the believers there. He traveled there to encourage the believers and be a part of a great celebration there in Jerusalem to demonstrate the oneness of the body of Christ. And he even said in verse number 13 of chapter 21, he said when he was opposed about going to Jerusalem, he says, I am ready not to be bound only, but to die at Jerusalem, what, for my own causes? For the name of the Lord Jesus. For the name of the Lord Jesus. Why was Paul in Jerusalem? He was there to declare Jesus Christ. He was there for Jesus' purposes. He was there, and we find out a little bit later on, he was there with an eye on Rome as well. He wasn't giving up. He wasn't going to find a villa on the, on the, on the coast. He was, he was there to proclaim Jesus Christ and to continue doing his work as a God-called man, a God-called preacher, an apostle. And so we find here in verse, in verse number 24, we find that as this chaos is going on, as this riot is ensuing, everyone's mad, they're tearing their clothes. Wouldn't that be a sight? Can you imagine the, the, the seamstress business there in Jerusalem? Uh, can you imagine the moms? Moms get upset about kids, you know, dragging their knees and, you know, um, um, breaking their jeans and so on and grass stains. But, I mean, it was grown, grown men. I mean, they're tearing their clothes and they're throwing dust in the air. It's quite a sight. That was a part of their culture and so on. But that, they were very distressed at what was going on. And so here, the chief, the chief captain of the fortress, who is this, this man Claudius, he's mentioned in chapter 23 uh, in verse 26, uh, he, uh, he says, well, we got, to get, we got to get to the bottom of this. He's an investigator. He is responsible specifically to crush these types of disturbances. Disturbances of the peace were a big deal in Jerusalem or in any part of the Roman Empire. And so uh, the reason that they had built that fortress right on the Temple Mount was to oversee and make sure that disturbances weren't happening. So they had the, uh, the ability to surveil. And so they were going to examine. This examination was not... Uh, like an examination at a police department today. This examination was a lot more aggressive than that. It had the, the word examination has a combination of, of they were going to examine with some means of torture. And the Bible tells us that they were going to examine with what? Scourging. All right, it doesn't sound good, does it? A anyone want to be scourged? Not, not at all. And, and this was a Roman scourging. This wasn't a, a uh, this was not a, a Jewish scourging or a, a Jewish beating that required them to, to uh, do no more than 40 stripes. And the reason they, uh, uh, they did 39 is they didn't want to, you know, by mistake, 
count wrong and, and go over the law. But this was a Roman scourging, and someone has taken the time to draw out what it might have looked like. This is one of the better pictures that I've seen. As I understand the Roman scourge, it was embedded with pieces of bone, uh, lead, glass, etc., and it was intended to tear the skin. This is what Jesus was beat with, and many people did not, did not, uh, did not survive this type of beating. So while Claudius allowed Paul to share his testimony publicly in the Hebrew tongue, in the Aramaic tongue, uh, we must not think that this man Claudius was becoming a friend of Paul. Uh, he had a job to do, and he was going to crush the, um, the rioting that was going on in Jerusalem. And so the way to get to the bottom of it was to scourge Paul. Paul may or may not have lived through something like this. They weren't bound by 39 stripes. They literally would beat, and uh, as, as many historians talk about, the two Roman soldiers would beat alternately as one, one whipped on one side and was getting ready for the next, the next thrash, uh, the other one would beat. And so it was just endless beating back and, um, back and forth. It is why the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah and prophesies of our, our, uh, of our Savior that when they were done with him, he was not recognizable as a man. And so just understand this morning, as Jesus carried the cross member to, of, of, the, of the cross to Calvary, to Golgotha, he had already been beaten. He'd had his robe put on him and torn back off. He was losing incredible amounts of blood. And, and Jesus was, I mean, had been afflicted beyond anything that you and I have ever experienced. And Paul was about ready to face this type of examination. It was not a pleasant examination. It was not a, uh, a, a, uh, an examination uh, that was, uh, was determined by law in the sense that it didn't have confines. It was as, as the Roman soldiers wanted to, they could beat. And so this was not the first time Paul had suffered hardness uh, and persecution. 2 Corinthians, you can read a whole account, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 and following, you can read a whole account of all the opposition and affliction that Paul had faced in his life. Beatings, multiple beatings, shipwrecks, oppositions. Uh, and he ends it, and he says, beside this, uh, all the care of all the churches daily. The, the, the burden that was on the Apostle Paul. And here he is facing another beating there in Jerusalem at the hands of the Romans. And this wasn't even at the hands of the, the Jews who, who were bound to the 39 stripes or the 40 stripes. This was, this was at the hands of the Romans. A ruthless torture is what it would have been. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 3, the last, the last letter that Paul wrote, writing to his son in the faith who would have been around, he writes to his son in the faith and he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We do not see the Apostle Paul being frantic in this moment. We do not see him losing his cool in this moment. We do see him being calm, collected. He just shared his story. He'd already gotten a beating from the, from the Jewish people out on the Temple Mount. Uh, he is calm, collected, and the grace of God is upon him. And we need to remember that even when we face the, the hatred and the persecution of this world, that if God is with us, the grace of God will be upon us. And he'll give us grace for that hour as well. And you may not think, I, I could never be in a prison cell for my faith. I, I, I don't know that I could do that. I don't know that I could face torture for my faith. Listen, God's grace will be sufficient in that hour too. 
we see it in the life of the Apostle Paul. So he was going to be examined, but I want us to notice in verse number 25, he asks the question, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? So they're binding him up. We don't get the sense, Luke does not write down for us, the Holy Spirit does not write down that there was any sense of, of viciousness or vindictiveness or, or a, a nasty spirit in his voice. He just asks the question, is it lawful for you to scourge me as a Roman? And he knew the answer to that. Paul had already declared that he was a man, by the way, another indicator that Claudius didn't understand everything that was said in his testimony. He was a man that was born in Tarsus. So he was, he was a, a Roman citizen because of his birth there in Tarsus. But he asks us this question, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is Roman and uncondemned without a trial? Is it lawful for you to do that? And so uh, sometimes as believers, we get the mentality, we just got to roll over and, and, and just play dead or just go along with it, just receive it. Listen, there are times, and this shows us right now, there are times when guided by the Holy Spirit of God, we can stand up for what is God-given to us, a God-given freedom, a God-given right. Is it lawful for this to happen? And Paul just declares, he asks the question, is, is this lawful? And that's okay. That was right. And the, the Holy Spirit doesn't condemn this any, in any way. I want us to think about the rights of a Roman citizen. Uh, he was, as a Roman citizen, protected from unjust punishments. That was a part of their law, and that was something that was extended. Now, if he had been a Jew, uh, they could have treated him with all sorts of torture uh, as they pleased. They could have gone as long as, it, as they wanted with the scourging and so on. But as a Roman citizen, there was protection for Paul from unjust punishments. And we find a little bit more about that in Acts 16 and verse 37, and also here in this, in this passage of Scripture. There was the right to appeal one's judicial case to Caesar which he's going to do in the, in the following chapters, in uh, chapter number 25. But there's also, as a Roman citizen, they had the right to vote in the Roman elections. Uh, even some freedmen uh, did not get this right, but as one that was freeborn, uh, he would have gotten this right to vote and to take part in, uh, in the Roman elections as, as they were in that day. And so even later on, when imprisoned under Roman authority, Paul had certain privileges extended to him because he held Roman citizenship. Uh, he was allowed to have visitors. Uh, he was allowed to make pastoral visits while in, in, in Malta. Uh, he was able to ask a Roman centurion to do his bidding uh, as a Roman citizen. And most importantly, he had the privilege to travel freely as a Roman citizen and declare the gospel. Now, let me tell you something. God knows what he's doing when he places you on a certain continent when he allows you to be born in a certain city, when he gives you a citizenship. You think about all the places that Paul went. Give us that map again. Over 20 years, and uh, over, uh, around 20, uh, 20 churches and uh, 10,000 miles that were traveled, Paul was able to go freely as a Roman citizen into all those places because God had allowed him to be born in a certain city. You are no accident, and where you're born is no accident. Praise the Lord for that. And Paul had this, this great, it, was, it would be like, and I know, I know our standing is diminishing on the world stage, but there is such an incredible privilege to be born as an American. Your passport, your passport means something. And that's not to diminish other countries in any way and not to diminish anyone from another country here. But I'm just saying the reality was 
as much as in that time to be a Roman was a big deal. And Paul had that. God had given that to him. And so here is the second time that Paul says, hold up, did you realize that I'm a Roman citizen? The last time that it happened was in Philippi. Philippi was a colony of Rome. It was like a little Rome. And so he at that time says, hey, do you, uh, you're about ready to release me after beating me. Uh, do you know that I'm a Roman? And at that point, they got all scared, and, and the centurions, the captains in charge, said, hey, just let them go, kind of in the quiet. And he says, no, 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 I'm not leaving until those guys come down and let me go. So Paul, he stood on the wall in that moment and also in this moment in Jerusalem. Now, I want us to understand something about the Apostle Paul, though. You don't see his firm stance as a Roman citizen coming up all throughout his writings. You hear him talking about it from time to time about citizenship, but you don't see it coming up all, it's not something that he was constantly promoting. And here's what I want us to get. Mark down uh, Philippians 3 and verse number 20. Philippians 3 and verse number 20, it tells us this, Paul speaking to the Philippian believers, to people in a city where he had said, hey, uh, you're going to let me go? You've beaten me unjustly without a trial, and now you're going to let me go? Uh, let the captains come and let me go? Because this was wrong. I mean, that was a big deal. Uh, there were probably people that lost their, lost their jobs on that day. He said in chapter 3, verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus the word conversation is a little bit different than other times mentioned in scripture here it literally has to do with our citizenship or our loyalties and it's the idea of our citizenship is in heaven the reason paul did not have to constantly promote and hold it over everyone's head uh, his earthly citizenship was because he knew full well where his heavenly citizenship was and he knew where he truly was a citizen of. And I want us just to realize this. When we forget our heavenly citizenship, we can become sidetracked by our earthly citizenship. Listen, you as a believer today are a citizen of heaven. And yes, it's great to be an American. Yes, it's great to live in this country. It's, it's wonderful. Praise the Lord for this, um, this privilege that God has given to you. Many of you here today, many of you have that privilege. But listen, we should not be sidetracked by that citizenship because we have a greater citizenship, and that is in heaven. We have a greater loyalty, and that's in heaven, do we not? And friends, how, if we have the right perspective about our heavenly citizenship, it'll allow us to navigate our earthly citizenship right and without kind of angst in our heart and without this kind of, this, 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 uh, a, a, a spirit that is not Christ-like. And friends, sometimes even in the conservative movement today, you hear a lot of people promoting the, this, um, their citizenship here on earth and doing it in, in ways that are not Christ-like. Okay. We should stand for the laws that are here. We should stand up for truth and, and all of that. And God's given us those rights and those freedoms. Praise the Lord. But let it be tempered by your heavenly citizenship. Do you agree with me? Let, let it be tempered by that. Let it be guided by that. And, and make every decision uh, uh, in, in view of your heavenly citizenship. What, what does it look like for me as a heavenly citizen to navigate through this issue right here? And so Paul navigated it very calmly. Uh, a few weeks back, my friend who I went to college with and graduated with, Matt Crowick, uh, who is going, uh, Lord willing, back to Canada, he went on a survey trip four weeks. He had to go there, quarantine, I think two weeks going in, 
uh, because they're still under those quarantines and, and, and so on. But he submitted to that, and he was there for a survey trip. What's interesting about Matt is he's a dual citizen. And the Lord has just navigated in his life. It's about time for him to make, the, uh, make, a, make a move, the Lord willing, to get up there and to be a part of what God is doing up there, specifically in the area of church planning. But you know what? It's no accident that Matt Crowick has dual citizenship and God is going to use him in Canada right now in a nation that really needs the Lord, just like ours does, to preach the gospel. Isn't that, isn't that great? Using your citizenship to promote the kingdom of heaven. And so Paul did that. I, I understood know that next week, uh, a man by the name of Will Essienko, and some of you uh, remember meeting him when he was here through on Cola Clash several years back. He's going back to Canada. Uh, again, using citizenship to make a difference. And he's going back to um, plant churches in Western Canada, and I want you to meet him and uh, reacquaint yourselves with him. But Paul was resolved to use his Roman citizenship to further the gospel. How are you using your citizenship in this country right now? How are you using the, 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 the blessing of being an American citizen to, uh, to further the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? And I think it's a question that we ought to give some consideration to. Each time Paul came up against a moment like this, it seems his Roman citizenship was a last-minute deliverance. God knew. God knew, and he gave him that but he never lost sight of his heavenly citizenship. He says, that's where my focus is. And that's where our focus needs to be. And we need to temper our earthly citizenship by our heavenly citizenship. But I want us to notice in verse number 27, look at it with me. Then the chief priest came unto him. Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, yea. He said, with a great sum I obtained this freedom, the freedom that came along with being a citizen. And Paul immediately quips back, but I was freeborn. I was freeborn. And that moment's very interesting. In that time, Emperor Claudius, who reigned from AD 41 to 54, it was possible under his reign to, uh, to, to purchase a citizenship, which is very interesting. It actually kind of opened the way for government officials to, to take bribes and to gain incredible amounts of money as they sold citizenships. So this man said, I had to pay dearly. I had to pay good money to get this citizenship. And so Paul just says, hey, wait a minute, though. I didn't have to pay for mine. I have it, and I'm, I'm free born. I, I, I got this at birth. And really, it put Paul in another category, even compared to Claudius, uh, the chief, um, the chief uh, captain of, the, of the, the fortress there. And so there were three ways to become a citizen. Citizen could be uh, granted by imperial degree, uh, 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 decree, uh, Claudius could have just simply said, uh, Claudius Caesar could say, uh, say, you have citizenship, and he could, uh, he could decree that as a reward for some services rendered. It could happen by birth, and it could happen by purchasing it, as I just said. So Paul is one by birth, a very stable way to become a citizen. Uh, he was one by birth, and immediately they were afraid, and they loosed him. They loosed him, they let him go free until they sat him down in front of the Sanhedrin. And I want us just to understand that Paul, again, was intent on taking the gospel, not to just there in Jerusalem, but going further into Rome. And the Bible says in Acts 19, verse number 21, he said, Paul purposed in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. 
Paul had a greater vision. He really wanted to go beyond Jerusalem. He wanted to go to Rome. And I just want us to understand the fact that Paul's heart was still consumed with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in Romans 1 and verse number 16, he says, I, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had written that to the Romans around this time. Before he'd come back to Jerusalem, he says, my heart is to go preach the gospel there. And so when he's announcing, hey, I'm free born, there was a heart in the Apostle Paul, I don't want to get stuck here. I want to go further with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul resolved to use his freedom and standing as a Roman citizen to travel broadly and preach the gospel and continue to do that. And friends, one of the things that I get concerned about in our day is we are so vexed by what we're seeing around us every day on the news, is we can hold on to our freedoms and we should stand for the freedoms we have. We should not be cavalier with them. Can I get an amen to that? Like, we should be thankful for the freedoms we have. This shouldn't be something that we're just like, oh, well, if we lose them, big deal. No, God gave us these freedoms. We ought not squander them. You ought to vote this November and you ought to know who you're voting for. And if you don't, aren't registered to vote, I encourage you to step out in the lobby right after the service and grab one of the voter registration guides and one of the round tables and to be registered to vote. That is your Christian duty. No one ought to be sitting in here without a voting record. Your voice belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to use it to vote. And you ought to use it to vote biblical values. I make no apology for saying that. One of the rights of a Roman citizen was to vote. One of Paul's rights was to vote. You ought to, you ought to engage in that way. But friends, the freedoms we have are not for us to serve ourselves, not for us to gain comforts and just to live the American dream. Our freedoms are given to us for the advance of the gospel. You're an American. Use that. Use the freedoms you have, the freedom of speech right now to preach the gospel to your coworkers and to preach the gospel in your neighborhood. You have freedoms. Are you squandering? Are you letting those freedoms leak out while you do nothing with them? Well, I'm not ready to share the gospel. Take the first step. Start writing down, what did Jesus do in your heart some years ago when he brought you to faith in him? Write it down. No one is as free to reach your fellow citizens as you as citizens. The best people to reach America is Americans. The best people to reach Indians are Indians. Sometimes we get this mindset that if we could just you know, put people on different, plan, uh, you know, different parts of the, the country, if we can send missionaries over to India, we'll, we'll reach them better than the Indians can. Friends, I was sitting in a pastor's meeting. This, this literally made me have to stand up and, and walk out to process it because it was so overwhelming to me. We're talking about planting churches, and God knows we need help in planting churches here in Ohio, we, in, in, in many places around our region, we need more churches. We don't need less light. We need more light. There's more churches shutting down than are being started. We need more churches, more gospel preaching stations. We need that very, very desperately. But I was sitting in this meeting. We're talking about getting a, a church planted. And there's these pastors together. And we're talking about planning. We'll get to meet Brother uh, Suglio in, in a couple of weeks, and he's planning uh, Heritage Baptist Church in Willoughby, Ohio. And it's a needed, a needed area in the Cleveland region. And, and we were talking about that. And one of, the, one of the pastors there was from India, and he's just here in the States traveling for a little bit. And he raises his hand and begins to talk. And he says, in, in the last, and it wasn't very many years, he says, we've, we've planted 19 churches. We don't need a lot. We just sit on the floor. 
And we don't need buildings. And he just talked about a little bit of shelter. And, and my heart is smote by how much we need in order to have church. And how much the air conditioning and the, and the programs and all these different accessories that we need to have, have church. And listen, the best people to reach is, is in, 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 a, in, a, in a nation is the national citizens. And my heart was again smote with the reality of sometimes we think we, we have this American superiority. We can do it better than everyone else. And I was smote in that moment. We aren't planning 19 churches. And that story can be repeated all over the world. Listen, you're not in India today. You're in America today. We have mission weeks coming up starting next week. It's a holy business meeting between God and his, and his church as to what we're going to do. Well, there's a recession, there's inflation, and there's all of this. God and his promises are not subject to inflation. And we have God in such a tiny little box is of what he can and can't do. God can move us forward and even help us to engage and partner with more missionaries or partner in a greater way with the missionaries that he's already given us in the midst of inflation. Has not God provided in front of our very eyes for every penny of the Grenada Bible Project? Nine months, $500,000? Don't you wish you could raise that? That's a God thing. God did that in front of Grace Baptist Church. You had a front row seat to that. God did not give us that experience for nothing. He gave that experience for, um, for to build our faith. Listen, you're here in America. Paul had freedoms there. You have freedoms here. Let's use them for the, um, for the glory of God and for the advance of the gospel. How are we using our freedoms? Are we just letting them drift away and, and not doing anything with them? So in the midst of a rejecting nation, which we are, and Paul was, his resolve as a citizen was, I'm going to use my citizenship and my freedoms to promote the gospel. And God took him from there through the rights of a Roman citizen to appeal to Caesar, to Rome, to preach the gospel in Rome, and to see people in Caesar's household come to, on Jesus Christ. That's powerful. The freedoms we enjoy as citizens of America should be used to serve God and not ourselves. We have a lot of talk about the things that we have, the temporal things that we have in America. How are you using what God has given you to promote the gospel? If we're done on earth tomorrow, will you look back and say, boy, I, I'm sure glad I invested my time in that. I'm sure glad I invested my finances in that. I'm not saying we aren't to be wise, we aren't to save, I'm not saying any of that, but I am saying, how are you using the freedoms and the privileges that God has given you here to advance the gospel? Well, we see how Paul did, and we should learn from him even this day. And I would call us all on this day to submit our earthly citizenship to our heavenly citizenship. Lord, help me to live as a heavenly citizen, as an American citizen. Help me to do your bidding as a heavenly citizen in my neighborhood and in my workplace. Help me to advance the cause of the gospel, advance the message of the gospel, the, the story of the gospel with the privileges that you've given me and the freedoms that you've given me, just like Paul did. And so we need to pray about this because we need God's help with it. And so let's bow our heads in this morning and just take some time to pray before we leave today. I want to ask 
How many of you say today, Pastor, with your heads bowed, I am a citizen of heaven by faith alone in Jesus Christ. I've trusted him as my Savior. I've believed on him, and I've trusted him to be my personal Savior, to save me from all of my sin. I can say with assurance today that I am truly a citizen of heaven. That's where my citizenship is. That's where my loyalty is. I've believed in Jesus Christ. I'm not believing in my, my good works. I'm not believing in myself to get to heaven or for the forgiveness of my sin, but I have believed in Jesus Christ alone, and that's my testimony. With an upraised hand, would you share that today to the Lord? I am a heavenly citizen. Amen. Many, many hands this morning. I want to invite you that do not yet know that to find faith in Jesus Christ today, to come to faith and to make that decision today. We'd love to take the Bible with you and show you how you can know for certain to answer any questions that you have. If that is you today, I encourage you, even in this time of invitation, to make that known or to catch us right afterwards out in the lobby. We will take time with you to make certain that you're not just an earthly citizen, but you're a heavenly citizen as well. I would ask us today, are you using your earthly citizenship to serve the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ or simply to serve yourself? You're caught up in the American dream. You're caught up in the things that you have and the things that you possess. You've made idols out of things that, the freedoms that you enjoy. You've lost sight that you truly are a citizen of heaven. Maybe you need to come and just get some things realigned today. Lord, forgive me for prioritizing my earthly citizenship over my heavenly citizenship. Forgive me for using the freedoms for myself. Forgive me for using my citizenship for myself. Forgive me for that. From this day on, I want to live as a heavenly citizen in a foreign country, in another country. I want to live as a citizen of heaven. I want my loyalties to be there. How many would say, Pastor, God has worked in my heart specifically about that this morning? You would give testimony to that with an upraised hand. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and take time to pray this morning. You can come to the altar here. Father, I ask that you'd help us. Lord, help us to be a church that is made up of active heavenly citizens here in America. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Would you do business with the Lord? Right now, you can kneel there at your seat or come to the altar. I'd encourage you to come and kneel before the Lord. God did not put you in an accident. He knows where you were born. He has a purpose for you. We'll give an account for the citizenship that he gave to us, the blessings and freedoms that he gave to us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.